0: to the one-in-one podcast where below-average podcaster chats with an above-average athlete. I'm your host, Bridget B. My guest today is Dewey Burke, who was a walk-on for the University of North Carolina's men's basketball team from 2005 to 2007. Dewey, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to, to be
0: on and looking
1: forward to talking with you.
0: I'm looking forward to it too. My first question, where does the name Dewey come from?
1: That's a great question. I am actually, it's a family name. I'm the third. So originally my grandfather, uh, his full name was Francis Dewey Burke, the first, and then, uh, then my father and I was the third. So they thought about calling me Trey or trip, but they went with the middle name Dewey and, uh, You know, it's funny, uh, people don't forget my name because it's unique, so that can get me into trouble. As you know, you meet somebody, if you don't catch their name or remember it, people remember mine because it's unique, so uh, (laughs) I have to really focus when I get introduced to people.
0: Yeah, it's true, you can't get away with anything.
1: No, no, that's right. So yeah, it's uh, it's a family name.
0: Nice. Now, you grew up in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Are you a big Philly sports fan?
1: I am, through and through, yes. I grew up just outside of Philadelphia. And so I grew up going to Sixers games all the time with my dad and grew up a big Eagles fan as well. I'm not a huge baseball or hockey guy, but certainly Sixers and Eagles and then also followed all the local college basketball teams growing up there in Philadelphia.
0: Nice. So 2018 was a special year for you.
1: It was. It <laughs> was. So we, uh, we finally got our super bowl and uh, even though i've been out in denver where i live with my wife and kids i was uh i was definitely a philly philly kid that day for sure
0: nice are you going to raise your kids to be philly's uh, athletic fans or are they going to be colorado fans
1: you know, it's actually somewhat easy, at least when it comes to football, that we have the Broncos are an AFC team and the Eagles are an NFC team. So you can get away with rooting for both, which I do. Uh, I, like, I like cheering for the Broncos as well. But when push comes to, you know, to shove, I'm always going to be an Eagles fan.
0: Okay. All right. Good to know. Now, are you a Pats or a Geno's guy?
1: Neither. That's a great question, but neither. I, I grew up, like I said, just outside the city. And uh, I prefer hole in the wall old Italian pizzerias that have cheesesteaks and chicken cheesesteaks that are a couple by where my parents live that, that I love. So, Pasiginos are really commercial and, in my opinion, not even that good. I, I prefer <laughs> the ones that have been there forever that nobody knows about. And uh, that's a ritual for, for our family when we fly back to see uh, my parents, my wife and I, the first night we always have a cheesesteak without fail.
0: Oh, that's so cute. Now, you're the oldest of four children, correct?
1: I am, yeah, four boys. So wow. I am the oldest of, uh, of my parents' four, four male children, which was complete chaos growing up. And I, uh, I knew that I was never having four kids, I'll tell you that. After, <laughs> our, after our childhood, it was crazy. But uh, also, of course, a lot of fun and a lot of sports, a lot of activities, a lot of fights, a lot of broken bones, all the things you would expect.
0: Those grocery bills must have been outrageous.
1: Yeah, that, you know what? That's funny you say that. I actually kind of realized that early on when, uh, when I was like 12 or 13, when my mom would come home from the store and a lot of the food never even made it into the pantry. And <laughs> she'd have to go twice a week. And I, I figured that, that that probably wasn't that cheap. So that, that was part of what led me to, to know that I, that I thought I only wanted two kids, and, and certainly not four.
0: Yeah, Ugh, that's crazy. My mom, I, I'm one of three. I have two older brothers, and my mom would always complain about the grocery bills with two boys, so I can't imagine four.
1: Yeah, no, it, it's funny. My mom has a little pillow on their bed that says, it's inscribed, it says there's a special place in heaven for the mother of four boys, and I wholeheartedly agree.
0: I agree too. There definitely is. Now, how did you get into basketball?
1: My dad—it was always my dad's favorite sport growing up, and that's one of the many things we we bonded around was the fact that he loved the game and had me watching it at a very young age. And uh, as early as I can remember, I had a ball in my hands, so it was always my favorite sport. I played all sports growing up, and then focused on. Uh, Just football and basketball when I got to high school. But basketball was always my first love. And uh, that continued, obviously, through college.
0: Nice. Now, what position did you play in football?
1: I did a lot when I was in high school. My first two years, I was uh, the quarterback on the team. And then I moved my junior year to wide receiver, and punt returner, and I played some defensive back, so I kind of was all over the field, and uh, played special teams, and that's what uh, ultimately I was recruited for uh, on the football side of things was as a receiver.
0: Gotcha. Wow. Well, yeah, you played all over the place.
1: I did. Yeah. You know, just I think taking the the understanding of football concept from being a quarterback, and then translating that into all the different ways you can be a part of special teams. I was the holder for field goals and extra points, and then I was uh, in charge of the punt team. I was on kickoff, and I just think the way you have to think about the game as a quarterback translates well if you have a position change because you have to understand where all 11 guys are, Mm -hmm. and so that enables you to play multiple positions, and, and in high school, at least where I grew up, a lot of guys played on both sides of the ball. And so I was able to play some safety and some nickelback in addition to what I did on offense, which was really fun. And we, we, my team was really good my senior year. And some of my fondest memories are, are high school football. You know, it's corny, but Friday Night Lights with my best friends, is, you know, are some of the fondest memories I have. That's awesome.
0: Now, when you were growing up, your family had a tough situation with your younger brother, Brady. He had some medical issues. Can you explain what was going on and how Brady is today?
1: Sure. Yeah, that's, uh, that's right. So Brady is the youngest of the four boys that we, that we talked about. And when he was one, he contracted a very rare form of cancer um, and had to go through full chemo and radiation at that age. And having a child, uh, had two kids, but having a child right now that is 14 months old, which is about the time he was going through that, uh, it's even harder to comprehend to be honest, what my parents must have been going through. And I remember it as, you know, I was oh, 12, 13 years old at that time, but uh, very difficult situation for any family to go through. Uh, but he's one of the good stories. You know, He survived and was declared cancer-free about a year or so after his diagnosis and a full, full run of radiation and chemo. Uh, unfortunately, he got sick again when he was five, but it was actually a different disease. He had a, a rare blood disease that required him to be hospitalized for several weeks. And it was touch and go there for him during that period. Uh, we we truly didn't know if he was going to live, uh, but he did. And uh, what the best part of the story is he's now a a thriving 27 year old and actually lives out here in Denver, very close to me. So he, he came to visit several times and fell in love with the city and the lifestyle out here. And he's lived here for several years. So we're as close as we've ever been. And he, he is one of those medical miracles that, uh, that was able to survive cancer and another very serious disease. And uh, he dealt with a lot before the age of five and, uh, You know, just thankful that he's still with us, and that's a that's a very true statement. We are we are very thankful that he is still alive.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. I'm glad to hear that he's doing well today. And going through something like that can really put sports in perspective, can it?
1: It does, and I think it does two things. I think it puts everything in perspective, and I think it also sports becomes the outlet for channeling some of those feelings and you're so upset about seeing a family member go through that. I can remember, even though I was really young, my parents took me down to the hospital one time to kind of see what him receiving chemotherapy would be like, and that burned into my brain. I'll remember that for as long as I live, and it was 23 years ago. Wow. Um, so, So sports becomes less important in some sense and then also becomes your outlet, and I remember playing soccer and playing basketball during that time and feeling like that was the only place I could get away from it. So it's, uh, look, it's, it's traumatic and we're, we're blessed and fortunate because so many families that deal with pediatric cancer, uh, not so many, but a lot, uh, the kids don't make it. And then they, then they're a story of why we have to ultimately get rid of that disease is because they lost the child. And and I didn't lose a brother. My parents didn't lose a child. But uh, it does happen. and uh, It's just it's devastating to watch someone that young go through that. Uh, so, again, to round out your question, sports, uh, sports becomes an outlet. But it is, it is helpful to keep things in perspective when you see someone that sick.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, cancer, terrible disease. And I, I have known people that have gone through childhood cancer. And luckily, they've been one of the miracles as well.
1: Yeah, it's, it's harrowing and they, uh, they should, and are, uh, they should be our heroes. And he, my brother is my hero for what he has dealt with. And again, before the age of five, he went through more than most would go through in two lifetimes. So it's, uh, he is a medical miracle and, uh, I'm just grateful that, that he's still here.
0: Yeah. And awesome that he's your hero. I mean, a lot of people can say Michael Jordan, LeBron James, but, Brady did a lot more than they did. You know what I mean?
1: He has. He has. Yeah. And, it, uh, you know, they said earlier what, what that must've been like for my parents now being a parent myself. I just can't even imagine.
0: Yeah. Uh, I can't imagine that either, but it sounds like you have a very strong family.
1: We do. And I think things like that bring you even closer together and you're bonded around tragedy sometimes, unfortunately, but, uh, you know, we we are very close, all four of us, my my brothers and I and my parents. And that's probably one of the reasons why.
0: Absolutely. Now, moving on from that, I mean, there's not a great transition to go to, but let's talk a little bit about high school. So you attend Conestoga High School. Did I pronounce that right?
1: Conestoga yeah like uh like Conestoga like Conestoga wagon back when they settled America and that's what they rode around in horse and buggy those Conestoga wagons
0: (laughs) nice so you talked a little about football you kind of played everywhere you also played basketball how was the basketball team during your time there
1: you know, actually not as good as my football team. Our football team, like I said, was, was very good, and our basketball team was just okay. We, we never made any real noise in the state tournament or anything like that, and even though basketball was my favorite sport, I would say I was a better football player and, uh, and was recruited more uh, in terms of playing in college for football, both because I think I was better at that sport, but also because of our team's success. We, in my senior year, made it all the way to the state semifinals in 4A, which is the highest level of Pennsylvania uh, high school football. So we were within a game of the state championship and lost to the team that eventually won it. So we had a great run. We went 11-2 and and uh, still the best team in, in my high school's history, which is something that my friends and I are very proud of.
0: Yeah, you should be. You're an all-league player in both sports, and I know you were recruited for football, but were you recruited by any colleges for basketball?
1: I was, just not, uh, not, not at the same level from, as I was from a football perspective. So more Division Three and, and schools in and around the Northeast where I grew up uh, for basketball and where I was getting Division One looks for, for football. And uh, we'll, we'll talk about it in a minute. But I eventually chose to play, uh, initially, uh, chose to play football in college before making the switch.
0: Yeah, so talk a little bit about that recruiting process for football and what led you to pick Fairfield University.
1: Yeah, well, again, it was on the heels of a really successful senior season that fall. We We played so well that there were a lot of college coaches coming and coming to our games and coming to practices. And... Uh, Fairfield was a school that I was interested in because of where it was. It's proximity to New York City. Uh, My dad's whole side of the family is from New York City. And so I had been going up there all my life, and Fairfield was a 45-minute train ride from Manhattan. And so I was interested in being close to New York. I was still close to my family, and uh, I liked the coaches. I liked the facilities, and I thought that it would be a, a great place for me to go play. So ultimately decided to go there my freshman year and actually one of my best friends who was a co-captain with me on my high school team also chose to go there so that was part of it too we we decided to go together and we were roommates our freshman year and, and went to play football there at the same time
0: now you eventually end up at North Carolina because Fairfield gets rid of its football team how long were you at Fairfield before that happened
1: just that first semester. That's right. Wow. So you've, uh, you've done your research. So we had our freshman season and I actually got hurt. So I, I didn't play. I had to have knee surgery, so I didn't play. And I was rehabbing all fall, all winter, getting ready for the, the second season. And just as the semester started, uh, this would have been the winter of 2003. Uh, they brought us all together and announced that due to budget cuts and other reasons, they were dropping the football program. And I instantly knew at that moment that I was not going to stay there and that I needed to find somewhere else to go. And and something interesting had happened along the way during that August preseason camp before I got hurt. And then even that fall is I, I realized something. I realized that I didn't love football. I liked it a lot and I liked playing, but what I actually loved about football was playing with my best friends that I grew up with and playing in high school altogether. And uh, it was a learning experience discovering that you don't love the game. You like it a lot. And to be a college athlete, you can't like it. You you have to love it because it's a 30 to 40 hour a week job. And if you just like it, it's going to be a burden. And so what happened during the time when I was injured and rehabbing is I really rediscovered my true love as it relates to sports, which was basketball. And I, I recognized during that time that I didn't want to play football in college, that I, that I really wanted to play basketball, because that was the sport that I truly loved. And so the way that everything transpired with football being dropped was actually the best thing that probably has ever happened to me in my entire life, because it set me down a path of getting healthy from my surgery and then working to get my my basketball skills back and look to transfer to play basketball somewhere. Uh, So good lesson in life, right? Something at least that would be perceived to be terrible happens with them taking football away from us at Fairfield was without question the best thing that ever happened to me.
0: Yeah, that's pretty funny to look back on because when that happened, you probably weren't thinking what was going to be in the future for you.
1: Well, that's right. I certainly felt lost. We all did. We didn't know where we were going to go. Those of us that had scholarships, would they be honored? How would they, how would they handle that piece of it? And, uh, you know, luckily I relied on my parents and, and I figured out somewhat quickly that I wanted to transition back to basketball and so kind of set out on a path of looking at schools where I wanted to play and, you know, obviously had the academic side of it to take care of as well and and that's, that's kind of how that went. But, I, you know, it didn't take me long to make the decision that wherever I was going to go, I wanted to play basketball there.
0: Now, why didn't you consider, or maybe you did consider this, getting in touch with some of those schools that had recruited you in basketball in high school? Because you ended up in North Carolina, and you had to know there wasn't going to be like a guaranteed spot that you'd get on the team.
1: Sure. No, that's, that's, you're exactly right. And I did. When I was looking, I looked at some other Division I schools, places like the University of Pennsylvania, which is where my dad went back in Philadelphia. I looked at Penn State. Uh, I looked at Notre Dame. And then I looked at some Division Three schools like NYU in the city and a couple others, uh, in addition to, obviously, applying as a transfer to North Carolina. But I just decided that if I was going to go for it and play basketball, that I wanted to try to participate in the game at the highest level. Uh, And I also knew that North Carolina had a JV program, which was unique. So it wasn't like I was going to go down there and it was either make the the men's basketball team or have nothing. I felt like I had a a chance to make this JV team and came to understand that sometimes people from the JV team were able to get pulled up to the varsity team, which is, which is ultimately what happened to me. So I just felt like uh, I could put in the time required to make myself a, a good enough player to have a chance. And that's, that's all I really wanted to give myself was a chance.
0: And you did just that. So you pick UNC, which is a great academic school as well. All those other schools you named are great too. But now, can you talk about the JV team a little bit? Because you're right, it's pretty unique. Not many schools have it. I personally don't know much about it at all. Like, who do you play? How do you make the team? What goes on?
1: Sure. Yeah. So when I got down there, my what was my second year of college. My first year at Carolina, uh, I started going to Woolen Gym like anybody else who plays pickup basketball and got to know some of the the guys there, some of the better players and, you know, learned that they were on the JV team and, and, you know, just began to prepare myself for the tryouts that I understood were coming up. And, um, you know, it was, it was crazy. There's some 80, 85 guys. So it's not like it's exactly easy to stand out in, in those scenarios, but, um, you know, went to the with tryout with the expectation that I, I felt like I was good enough, but you don't really know. And I uh, was fortunate enough to make the team, and, and the JV team historically has been coached by one of the assistants from uh, from the, the men's basketball team, so one of Coach Williams' assistants was the head coach for us. And I uh, was fortunate enough to get picked, and, and or you know, really earned it is the right way to say it, right? I, I earned my opportunity, earned my spot. And... And then played JV for two years and, and played well. I you know I had a good a good two year run playing uh, on that team. I started every game, and uh, you know that eventually led itself to having the opportunity to to get called up and, and practice with the with the main team, and then see if Coach Williams wanted to keep me.
0: Now, do you play other ACC schools on that JV team?
1: Uh, yeah, sorry, I didn't answer that question. Oh, that's okay. Uh, who do you play? So, no, we played uh, some Division three schools, some prep schools that were, you know, players in between their high school and, uh, and first year of college. So it, it's definitely unique. It's, uh, there's almost nothing like it, but Coach Smith kept it in place from way back when he was coaching because it used to be that freshmen – when they came to college back in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, couldn't play on the main teams. There was always a freshman team at all these major universities. And when they abolished that rule and allowed freshmen to play on the varsity team, Coach Smith decided to keep a JV team intact. And it lives on to this day. So that's a a Coach Smithism that is incredibly unique, very, very cool, and it gives the, you know, the, quote, average student uh, the chance to try out and play JV and play at the Smith Center. And then uh, for some of us, the, the chance to get called up and, and be on the team.
0: That's such a cool experience, obviously for the ones that end up making the, I guess you would say the varsity team as you did, but also those kids that don't get to make varsity, they still have this outlet and you're still playing at the Dean Smith Center.
1: That's right. That's exactly right. So it, it, then you play a couple hours before every regular game. And then you get you get tickets to to go to every game, and really it really was a fantastic experience. And what was great about it was, as I said, I, I started every game. I got to play 36, 37 minutes every game, and uh, and make a ton of friends and, and get to know those coaches so well, those assistants for Coach Williams, who are now people I'm incredibly close to today, having played for them. And uh, it really it started my journey as a UNC basketball player, and uh, it was great. I loved it.
0: It's amazing. Now, you make the varsity team in the fall of 2005, which is right after they had won the national championship. Were the JV players able to go to the Final Four?
1: Uh, on, our, on our own, if we so chose. So <laughs> on I your own die. <laughs> right, yeah. I did not go to St. Louis in 2005. Uh, I remember watching those games uh, in my house off-campus in Chapel Hill, um, but I remember actually, so my first year on varsity was Coach Williams' first year, which was oh three oh four, 4 and uh, played well, had a good season, and I, I really actually felt like uh, after that, after my one year in JV, that I had a really good chance to make the, the varsity the following year, which was my second year and. Chapel Hill. And so I, I stayed there all summer and worked out and played with the guys as much as I could. And, but I ended up not making it. I was the last cut. They ended up taking a, another guy who was, who was bigger than me and size matters in basketball. And so I was the last cut and, and had to play JV again. And, and look, I was devastated when that happened because I felt like I had worked as hard as I possibly could and had put my best foot forward with an opportunity to make it. And then when you, you pile on top of that, that that team goes on to win the national championship and, and I was the last cut, that was hard. That was, that was very difficult to, to mentally wrap my head around. But it, it drove me. It, it helped me work even harder than I think even I thought I could. And then eventually I did make the team the following year, which was, that was my time. That was when it made sense for the program. And, and that's when Coach Williams felt, and, and saw fit that I should be a part of the team. And ultimately, that, that's what matters most, his program and his vision. And, uh, but for the 2005 championship, uh, as much fun as that was and as excited as I was for my university to win, I'd be lying if it didn't sting a little bit just because I felt like I had a shot to be there. But ultimately, I, I made the team when it made the most of it.
0: Yeah, you know, when you go through something devastating like that, you can, you, there's only two options, right? You either quit or you move forward and keep working hard, which is what you did, obviously.
1: That's right. Yeah. I mean, I was, I, like I said, I was devastated, but in the end I was able to, to make it the next year. And I wouldn't change anything about my experience and about the, the friends I have and, and everything that we were able to do together. It would have been different had I been on the team a year prior. So there's nothing I would change. It was, it was the right thing. And what I learned from that, uh, that extreme disappointment and how it ultimately drove me was important for me to to go through in my young life.
0: Absolutely. Now, your first year on varsity is also Tyler Hansbrough's first year, right? His freshman season?
1: That's right. Yep. So my, my first year as a walk-on, which was my junior year, coincided with that 2005 recruiting class that perhaps Coach Williams' best ever or, or close to it, which was Tyler Hansborough, Marcus Gingner, Danny Green, Bobby Fraser, and Mike Copeland. And uh, so I, I joined the team just when they did. And those are some of my best friends in life, uh, particularly uh, Bobby and Marcus and Tyler. We're uh, extremely, extremely close to this day. We text every single day. And uh, that's kind of what I mean about the timing of everything making sense. I don't know that I'd be as close to those guys as I am, if mm-hmm. I had been on the team the year prior.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. And actually, I've had Bobby and Marcus on the podcast in the past.
1: I heard that. I actually, I, uh, I vetted you through Bobby, which that gives Bob way more credit than he deserves just <laughs> for him to be a credible source. But I, uh, I asked Bob about uh, doing the podcast with you, and he said he enjoyed it and, uh, and thought that I would do. So
0: oh, here nice. I am, thanks
1: to Bobby in some part.
0: Yeah, thanks, Bobby. <laughs> now, one of your duties in practice was you would often play on the scout team, the other team's best shooter. So, particularly maybe like JJ Redick, that must have been pretty cool. You got to put up a lot of shots.
1: I did. Yes, that uh, that was definitely fun. You're right. So when we were pre- for an opponent, whoever was, as you said, the best shooter on the other team. It's who I got to role play as, which uh, I really embraced. You know, that, that's part of your job as, uh, as what they call the blue team is to prepare the starters and the guys that play major minutes for, uh, for the opponent. And I took a lot of pride in that. And, and it's an interesting dynamic as a competitive athlete coming into practice, knowing that your job is to help prepare the starters. And if I lose, in practice, that's good for our team. Now you think about that, that that's really kind of anti-competitive in some ways. I, I had to learn to be happy with competing and trying my hardest, but if, if the starters in the white team beat us in the drills or in the game prep, that was actually good. And that took me a little while to wrap my head around, uh, but I did get there and did understand it, and I think ultimately – that uh, I think I know took a lot of pride in, in helping our team prepare for e- each of our next games.
0: You're right. That is such a unique situation. And for you, you have to go hundred percent because that also helps the team. You can't really slack off.
1: No, that's right. Yes. You have to, you have to compete. You have to give it everything you have. And then in some funny way, hope that you lose the drill because that means that the, the guys that ultimately are going to be out there in the real minutes, I mean, they are having a good practice and executing the way that they're supposed to, which means Coach Williams is going to be happy. So me losing drills, in effect, was a was better thing for the program and, and made the coaches and Coach Williams happy, right? So that's a mm-hmm. funny mental thing, but I, I, was, I got there.
0: That's good, and I have to—I have to admit—when I was in sixth grade, I was in a sixth, seventh, and eighth grade basketball team, and as a sixth grader, I wasn't a starter, so I was on the second team. And one practice, we just destroyed the first team. And I—I'm sorry, I loved it. I got a kick out of it. I guess that means I'm a bad teammate.
1: No, <laughs> well, look, I think uh, if, you know—you got to compete, and, and you learn about. You learn about how to be competitive and if you have that in you or not. Um, it, just, uh, it, it just was unique. And, and to your point, I, I remember early on you know, being angry or pissed off if, if I didn't play well or if the, the drill didn't go well or we lost. And I had to channel that and understand you know, ultimately what was best for the program was for the white team to be successful, which means the blue team was not, which means I was not. And you had to accept that, so.
0: Yeah, so it's, it's an interesting spot for sure. Now, how was your relationship with coach, with head coach Roy Williams?
1: How was it or is it?
0: How is it if you guys still have a relationship today?
1: We do. It's great. He's, um, he's one of my favorite people in the entire world. He's the best leader I've ever been around. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be with him a couple months ago and uh, went on a golf trip with him and one of my other coaches and and a lot of my teammates that I mentioned. So uh, I've been able to remain close to him. And I think, I think it's somewhat unique. The guys I've played with, uh, and this is, this is all credit to them. The guys I've played with were such a unique group and and such a remembered uh, set of Carolina players, meaning Tyler and Bobby and Marcus and Danny, that, that we've remained so close to the program. Not that others haven't, but we remained so close to the program and so close to Coach Williams that, um, that we could do something like go on a golf trip with him. Um, so remained very close to the program and to him and to the staff. And uh, as I said, he's the greatest leader I've ever been around. And if he called me right now and said, run from Denver to Chapel Hill, I would do it.
0: Uh, that's great. I love hearing when, when players still have relationships with their coach. And I can see that class being so close with him because when they got in there as freshmen, they had to play right away. That was a year after a lot of those kids decided to go to the NBA after winning the championship. So he basically had four years where they were all playing a lot.
1: That's exactly right. And, and that 2005-2006 season is one that, I we constantly get asked about because even though we didn't win a national championship for whatever reason, that's a lot of people's one of a lot of people's favorite Carolina teams of all time because the expectations were low. We lost all these guys that were NBA draft picks and and drafted in the lottery, and we defied expectations to the nth degree, and uh, and that obviously culminated with the senior night win at Cameron when we beat Duke when they were ranked number one and had J.J. Reddick and Sheld Williams and all that. And it's really cool. It's really – it was really special to have been a part of that team in my small way. And, and I think that, that started the love affair between Carolina fans and that 2005 recruiting class that, for them, obviously ended in the national championship in 2009. And I will tell you that when – I, I usually say we when we won it in two thousand and nine, I wasn't on a team, but it felt like i won it felt like it felt like I won too because some of my best friends you know reached the top of of everest in your in your respective sport, so it uh it was a special group it really was
0: absolutely, yeah, you came in with those guys. You should feel like you're a part of it
1: yeah, yeah it was uh it was really cool.
0: now you mentioned the win at Duke on senior night. What was being a part of that Duke Carolina rivalry?
1: Oh, it's the best in sports. I don't care what anybody says. Nobody can sell me Yankees, Red Sox, or Alabama, Auburn, college football. It's the best rivalry in college sports. and I, I think Coach Williams put. Yeah, it is. And Coach Williams puts it really well, and I understand that he says this when he is recruiting. He, he tells kids that are prospective players for us, he says, look, You can go to many schools, and you can play in big games and rivalry games, but here's the difference. If you play in a rivalry game in pick a state, say you play in the Michigan-Michigan State game, everyone in Michigan is going to know who won the game last night. Pick another state, same thing. But if you play in the Duke-Carolina game, everybody in the world knows who won that game, and that's the difference. It is the preeminent rivalry in college sports and college basketball, and it's not even close. Uh, and I'll tell you, being a part of it, it feels that way. It's just different. Duke week is different. The practices are different. The day of the game is different. The hype, the way you feel, the butterflies, all of those things. Uh, and that, that's what makes it so so amazing is down to every player on the bench, every member of the staff, every manager, it's just a different deal. It's, it's bigger than every other game. It's bigger than even – the the whole sport it's bigger than college basketball it is the preeminent rivalry in sports in my opinion and uh it is it is a true blessing to have been a small part of it
0: yeah I agree it's that game that even if you're you're not a fan of either team it's that game that you're gonna make a make a point to be on your couch at 9 p.m to watch it
1: that's right and, and like I said that's coach Williams point is, is everybody's gonna know You played in the Duke Carolina game, and who won? Whereas other rivalries, they just can't say that. They can't truthfully tell you that you're going to be able to play in the greatest rivalry in our and the greatest rivalry in all sports. And he can say that, and obviously Coach K can as well. When they're recruiting, is getting to play in that game is an incredible recruiting tool because it is the game. You know, we play them twice, maybe three times a year, but it is the game.
0: Absolutely. It is a great recruiting pitch. No wonder both those coaches get so many great players.
1: Yeah, they they do okay.
0: <laughs> now, with that rivalry, you were actually on the court during the Gerald Henderson-Tyler Hansborough incident, weren't you?
1: I was, yeah. That was my last home game as a senior, my senior night, and uh, I was on the floor for that. Uh, people ask me about that quite a bit. You know, the, the interesting thing is, to to answer questions I'm sure are coming. Um, I didn't see it happen live. Uh, If you watch the replay of that, Patter shoots the free throw and uh, then goes in, there's a scrum for the ball and he ends up, uh, ends up with the ball and goes back to put it up. And if you watch, he gets stripped of the ball on his way up and then the ball flies away. And as he's up in the air, he then gets hit in the face. And I mentioned that the ball got knocked away because that is where my eyes went. Mm-hmm. As the ball left his hands, it got slapped out of his hand. My eyes followed the ball. And then I looked back and he was on the ground. But so I didn't oh, wow. see it live. Right? All I knew was he was down. And if you watch the tape, I kind of saunter over there to check on him. And then he rolls over and he's covered in blood. And then everybody knows what ensued from there. But I get asked a lot you know, how come you didn't go after somebody or if you had it again, would you do it differently? And the absolute truth is I didn't see it. I didn't see it happen. You know, so for all I knew, he, he could have fallen to the ground and hit his, hit his face on the floor. And that's what caused that. Now, obviously when he got up and was as mad as he was, I had the inclination that something had happened, but I didn't know, I didn't know what had happened until afterwards, after the game, seeing the tape of it. So uh, but hey, it's, it's a crazy moment uh, of the many in the rivalry. And uh, it's, you know, it gets replayed every single time we play them. And there I am uh, holding him back from going after any Duke player he could. So I guess it's, uh, in a funny way, it's a way to always be remembered and relevant as it relates to that rivalry.
0: Absolutely, and hey, good for you for holding him back. He's a big guy; he could have done some damage, maybe gotten suspended, which didn't happen. So, good on you.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's true, and and it's funny, you know, Carolina fans uh, being the way they are, they a lot of them say, "I wish you let him go." I wish you let him go. <laughs> but uh, to your point, that wouldn't have been would have been the right thing for our team, and Fuller has prevailed, and uh, and he didn't uh, he didn't do anything.
0: Yeah, you guys had to look ahead to the ACC tournament and, more importantly, the NCAA tournament. So, like I said. That's right. Good on right. We
1: had the last laugh. We had the last laugh. I mean, we didn't win the national championship. We probably could have or should have or whatever you want to say. But to see regular season, we won the ACC tournament. We were the number one seed in the NCAA tournament. Duke won none of those things, and they were knocked out very early in the NCAA tournament. So, ultimately, our season was dramatically better than theirs. And uh, and Tyler obviously went on to have uh, perhaps the greatest career in, in the history of college basketball. So at least in the conversation. So we ended up fine. We had a better season, and he certainly had a, a fine career. So
0: yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think Duke lost to VCU that year, and you guys made it all the way to the Elite Eight.
1: That's right, and, and should not have lost in the Elite Eight, but uh, but we did.
0: Yeah, tough game. Do you remember scoring your first points and how that felt?
1: I do. I do remember it. Yep. It was, uh, it was a layup. I, I stole a pass when we were on the defensive end and went down and laid it in. Uh, so I, I definitely remember it. Um, the whole thing is surreal, right? I mean, as we've talked about through this conversation, I was a, a football player from Pennsylvania going to school in Connecticut. And then a couple of years later, I was playing at the Smith Center for. For North Carolina, wearing that jersey, playing for Roy Williams, and, and scoring in a real game—I mean, that's—it's pretty crazy when you stop and think about it. Uh, you know, a lot of work went into that, but it's pretty crazy that, that the, the journey that I went on for sure.
0: Absolutely, very unique.
1: Yeah, yeah, and like we said before, you know, as we've gone through sort of chronologically. You can see why I say Fairfield dropping the football program was the best thing that ever happened to me because it, it led me to, to Carolina and, and Coach Williams and, and all my friends that I've talked about.
0: And yeah, I arguably, you end up on the best basketball team, in co- for, or I should say the best college basketball team.
1: <laughs> right, and for the best college coach. So it was, uh, it was a great path to go on.
0: Absolutely. And you hit a three against uh, UC Santa Barbara after being, you know, the scout team, the shooting guy, got one in, in an actual game. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, no, I did, and, and uh, made made several threes throughout my career, and, you know, it became kind of a running joke that, uh, you know, I, I shot the ball so much in practice, being on the scout team and and pretending to be the other team's best shooter, that when I got in the real games, uh, I, I didn't have any problems shooting that either. So it was always a running <laughs> joke that... uh if you were looking for a pass from me when we were in the game, you uh, you probably should have looked elsewhere because I was shooting most times.
0: That's awesome, as you should have. Now you had mentioned um, senior night. One thing I love about Roy Williams is he starts all the seniors on senior night. It doesn't matter if you're a scholarship player or a walk on. So I'm assuming you started that game.
1: I did. Yep. Yeah. The last last home game in 2007 against Duke, so I did start that game, and, and we played great. We came out very strong. I started with my fellow seniors, who were Wes Miller and Ray Terry. We graduated together, the three of us, and uh, we, never, we never trailed in that game. We played great, came out strong to start, and uh, and really wasn't ever that close. So that's something I'm certainly proud of, was, was being able to start that game and also that we won and that the win – gave us the ACC championship out, uh, as well. So that was all, so all very cool. Great
0: memories. That's amazing. And I love that it doesn't matter who you're playing. It doesn't matter if it's Duke or the last place team in the ACC. He's starting the seniors. I absolutely love that.
1: That's right. And he's, uh, he's a nostalgic guy. And it's something that he carried over from Coach Smith. And he just believes that seniors, regardless of the scholarship or not, or how long he's been there, uh, you deserve to have your moment and deserve to start. And uh, certainly something I'm very thankful for because I was given that opportunity.
0: Did your family go to the game?
1: They did. Yep. my All my brothers and my parents were there and, uh, and it's cool. You know, after you win that game and everybody stays in the stands and you get to give a senior speech where you have the opportunity to thank a lot of people that helped you get there, which I was able to do and, and talk about, my brothers and my parents and my teammates and thank coach Williams and and all those things. So it's a, it is a very, very cool tradition that we have.
0: Absolutely. Now you graduated in 2007. It's been what, 13 years. What have you been up to since college?
1: Thanks. Yeah. It's been a little (laughs) too old. Um, So I right out of college, stayed in basketball in, in some sense doing camps and clinics and, and training young players back home in Philadelphia. Um, But my now wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, who's also a Carolina graduate and was an athlete, she she ran track. She grew up in Denver, Colorado, and always wanted to get back here eventually. So she and I moved back here in late 2011. And I've been in private equity and, and in the finance world ever since. So going on, Nine years now, I have my own company uh, called Luxury Asset Capital that, uh, that I run. We have an office here in Denver. We have an office in New York City. And I uh, have 12 employees and uh, just trying to, to build a good business and obviously raise my kids. And uh, we really like it here. Denver is a great place to raise the family. And I mentioned my brother Brady's here. I have another one of my brothers, Brendan, is also here. So two of my three brothers live with me uh not not with me with me but live in denver
0: mm-hmm.
1: and we love it it's been great
0: wow the berks go west i like it
1: that's great that is uh you know it's, it's good for my mom if we're not going to be home in philly at least three of us are all in the same place but she only, my mom and dad only have to make one trip
0: that's a good point yeah You can uh kill three birds with one stone
1: that's right that's right <laughs> good place to live
0: now, how closely do you follow the UNC basketball program today?
1: Oh, extremely close, extremely close. I mentioned that uh, I've stayed, stayed close with, uh, with the staff and with Coach Williams and uh, never miss a game, never. And uh, I've been doing podcasts with Inside Carolina for a number of years, so that has kept me close to it as well, and have enjoyed doing those and, and giving my reactions and thoughts to how the guys are playing and how the team is doing, and then also answering questions. So I've uh, I've certainly stayed close to the program and wanted to and enjoyed my time uh, as an alum, but also doing stuff within South Carolina, as I said. So I don't I don't miss a game. Even if I can't watch it live, it's on the DVR, and and uh, and I can honestly say I have not missed a single game since I graduated.
0: It's amazing. Now, they've gone to the final four s- several times since you graduated. Have you made it out to any of those?
1: Everyone, yep. Wow. So we uh, graduated in 2007. We went in 2009 to St. Louis when we won it. Uh, then, obviously, we were back in 2016. I was there with my wife uh, while she was pregnant, and so she was a good sport about coming and doing that. And that's obviously when we lost to Villanova at the last second. Uh, and then came right back in 2017 in Phoenix and uh, and cut the nets down there so yeah every time that we make the tournament and start going on around I'm there to support and support coach Williams and try to be there in person as much as I can
0: That's awesome. What was your reaction though when they lost at the last second like that?
1: You know, that was a gut punch for all of us, but I would say in particular for me being from Philly, right? And Villanova is oh, yeah. from where I grew up. So I have a lot of friends and a lot of people I know that uh, were Villanova fans and alums, and that was a tough one to take. I had to swallow that one for a full year. But you know what's great is we came right back and won the next year, and even though they won it in 2018, anytime that that comes up, They actually did somewhat recently when I was on the golf course. The uh, person I was with mentioned it. I said, you know what? 2016, that was a great shot. But at the end of the day, if you walk into their gym, they've got three banners. And if you walk into ours, we've got seven.
0: (laughs) Nice. That's all you need to say. (laughs) Yeah, I was happy for those guys that they came back and won it in 2017.
1: Incredible. I'm not sure people realize how hard it is to make a run in that tournament. And, and here's a great way to think about that. That class that we talked about of 2005, Tyler Hansbrough and, and those guys,
0: uh, their
1: freshman year, they lost in the round of 32. Their sophomore year, they lost in the Elite Eight. Their junior year, they lost in the Final Four to Kansas. And then they finally won it their senior year. And as many games as those guys won, they had to – have those growing pains and, and lose several times to get ultimately to where they cut the net down. And so for that, those guys on that 17 team to make it all the way back there and win it the following year was absolutely astounding. Uh, it was incredible coaching, incredible fortitude by those guys on that team. Uh, you know, and if anything, the only regrets you have is that Marcus Page and Bryce Johnson didn't get a ring because you felt like they deserved it and it got snatched away from them in 2016. Uh, but that's how it goes. That's, that's sport. Mm-hmm. that's life. Uh, but for those guys to get all the way back there in 17 and for coach Williams to have three rings now as a coach, truly remarkable.
0: Absolutely. And yeah, it is sad for those two players. They, you know, represented the university. Well, they played the game the right way. Does think that they didn't get a ring.
1: It does. It does. But, you know, I don't have one either. Not that I'm anywhere near the player or or did anything close to what those guys did. But, you know, we don't all get to have one. And that's the way mm. it goes. Yeah.
0: And it's not the end of the world.
1: No, no. The experience is what it's about.
0: Absolutely. Dewey, I've loved our conversation. I like to end the podcast with a couple of fun questions. How does that sound?
1: I love it. Let's do it.
0: All right. What's your favorite movie?
1: What is my favorite movie? That is a great question. Um, It's hard to pick just one. Uh, There's a cult classic movie called Boondock Saints that I really, really like. Um, I love the movie Rudy. Um, I love Gladiator, certainly. Uh, I love Blood Diamond. But if you made me choose one, I think I would go with the one I said first. I would say Boondock Saints.
0: Okay. I haven't watched that, but I've heard great things.
1: Yeah, it's good. It's, it's, uh, it's about some Irish Catholic brothers in Boston. I love it. Nice.
0: <laughs> what is your favorite place in Denver?
1: What is my favorite place in Denver? I would say it's the golf course, the country club I belong to. Uh, it's called Lakewood Country Club. Uh, that is certainly place I go to get away from work and and enjoy getting out there and spending four hours on the golf course. So that's definitely it.
0: Nice. Now you're married. You've been married for a while. Where did you go on your honeymoon?
1: We went to Italy for two weeks, and it was Ooh, that's a good still to this day the best trip of our lives. We uh, we went all over Italy, spent time. In Rome, we went up to Venice, and then we took a flight down to Sicily and spent time on the beach. It was magical.
0: Nice. All right, last question. If you could have dinner with anyone, living or dead, who would it be?
1: Just one person.
0: You can name a few if you want to.
1: That is a great question. I would probably actually say Uh You know, I got to know him a little bit while I was a player at Carolina, but he was obviously retired and he wasn't around as often. And I would, I would have loved to have sat and had dinner with Coach Smith and talked to him about how he arrived at all his beliefs in terms of leadership and coaching and hear stories about the guys that played before me and hear stories about Jordan and all those kinds of things. So that would
0: be my choice. That's a great answer. I love that Thanks, Coach Smith left going. every player $200 in his will so that they could have a nice dinner on him.
1: Even me, who never played for him by many years. He left oh, it for so, every single one.
0: Oh, it was every UNC player. It wasn't even just his players. Every player. That's even more amazing. Wow.
1: Yeah, remarkable man.
0: Absolutely. What a class act.
1: Yeah in the truest sense of the word.
0: For sure. Dewey, thank you so much for making time out of your day for being on the podcast.
1: It was great. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Hopefully I didn't ramble on too long, but I was very happy to join you. Thank you.
0: All right, everyone. That was my chat with Dewey Burt. Hope you enjoyed it. Really interesting to hear about the progression of his career from originally being a college football player to going to Carolina, being on the JV team, and then ultimately making the varsity team. I'll be back soon to speak with another outstanding athlete.